Hello friends! This is People Are Interesting with Jan K. In each episode of this show, unique individuals share stories that take us on a ride across ideas and places. Featuring crocodile attacks in Indonesia, escaping war-torn Lebanon, and shark protection schemes in Mauritania. This podcast takes you where you've never been before. Enjoy and thank you for joining the club. Thank you very much for being here. Um, I am with Julia, who's one of my best friends, and we're actually going to be talking about your story, which I find personally incredibly interesting and inspiring. And it, you know, I think it's going to keep a lot of people going. Um, can, do you want to kind of like tell us about your background, how you got to where you are right now and, you know, how was it like going through school and just like give us everything. It's super interesting. Okay. That's a lot in one go, (laughs) but hi everyone. I'm Julia and I'm originally from Naples, Italy. And I guess what you want to know is how the hell I got to London. Yeah. Okay. Then. (laughs) I feel like you summarized it so much better than I did in like only three words. <laughs> well, I'm, I moved to London to study, so for opportunities, but there's also a more personal reason why I'm here. And that's because I'm, I thought that London would be the most inclusive city that I could ever be in. And I do agree with what I used to think when I was... 17 when I made the choice because I was born with a disability I cannot see from my left eye since I was born and that has caused me a bit of trouble when I was in school throughout education I did not have any sort of support but to be completely honest with you is also because I didn't think there was any support to even ask and when I was about 17 and I thought about even applying for university, I just came to the conclusion that studying in Italy wasn't an option for me and that I instead needed to find a better place for me. And London was definitely the place to go. Right. And can I ask you, because obviously everyone in their life, we have this moment when we kind of like realized oh I am actually like this person you know the the first time you kind of look in the mirror and you realize oh me is me um what was your experience in in school when you when you started going to school or maybe even kindergarten what was what were the people like were were people supportive of you or did you feel you know because a lot of um I have a, a sister with a learning disability as well and Oftentimes, her experience was actually one of alienation. Um, I, I feel like just society in Poland, in many aspects, just is not quite there yet when it comes to helping people with learning disabilities really, you know, fulfill their um, full of their full their fullest potential. So, what, what's 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 it like in in Italy? Well, first of all, that's a really good question to ask, and. If I had to answer more generally, in Italy, I don't think it's any different than in Poland. More personally, I think when I was a kid, so starting from kindergarten, I did not even know that I had a disability, or at least I didn't have the full understanding of it. So I would just pretend to be like any other kid. 
but I do remember some episodes of those people that I could refer to as friends that would sort of not invite me to to parties or not parties at the time but you know like those those kind of reunions parties and things like that exactly or they would um they would refer to me as the one who was not able to look straight in the Mm -hmm. eye or they would not be talking to me because they thought i was talking to someone else so they would turn around or anything like that so those are the first memories that i have of actually feeling that there was something not wrong about me, but at least different about me. And it was not until I was 13, interestingly enough, that I actually understood that I had something going on and Mm -hmm. that I had a a disability. Because as I said, I was born with it. So I didn't really have any other measure. And I always thought that that's the way you see, that's the way you're supposed to be seeing. Whereas I understood that I that I got this when I started having difficulties reading. When I was a kid, I didn't really see it as an issue, but growing up and focusing a lot on my studies and working with one eye only, mm-hmm. I realized that I was having more and more difficulties keeping up with this, the same pace um, of reading so much and so quickly. So that's when I had the conversation with my mom and when I asked her, look, there's something going on mm-hmm. and I think I need to see a doctor. And she said, well, I can definitely bring you to a doctor, but can you tell me more about what you're going through? And I remember that I told her that I had issues with the, um, the study books that I, were wo- that I was studying on because, of course, they were very... No, no, keep going. They, no were, not, they were not as... Um, accessible as you as you might think because the spacing was terrible mm-hmm. there was a lot of text and so I was really pushing hard to make sure that I would read every single book for my classes and all of that and I was having issues in the sense that I was not able to finish it by myself on time or at least not in the time that I allocated initially mm-hmm. and I would start my my site would start would start to fade so that's when I actually went to the doctor and the doctor told me well you need to just slow down a bit Mm -hmm. and that's when my mom started talking about how my disability came together and that's when I realized that okay I do have just one eye I do have just um, that and I need to preserve it as much as possible and that's when I realized, as you were saying that moment, okay, this is who I am. This is who I need to, this is what I need to be aware of. And it's that moment that I remember clearly because that's when I started to think about myself in a different way. Not necessarily in a bad way, just in a more conscious way. And I was in high school at the time, right? So um, I didn't have a lot of objectives to look forward to at least because I was just living day by day I just had to survive high school that kind of thing yeah um, as we all did <laughs> yeah exactly um, but I do remember that I started talking about it with my closest friends so that I would create group studies so that I wouldn't feel necessarily discriminated against at least from the very close friends of mine 
but I do remember that I didn't have the guts to say it to everybody in the class or to the professors mm -hmm. um, probably because I felt ashamed mm -hmm. but also because my brothers were very popular in the school mm -hmm. I got two older brothers and they were very known mm -hmm. in the school like they were the the most beautiful <laughs> guys most and all of that yeah exactly nice. so I didn't want to ruin that reputation as well mm -hmm. for those to have uh, like a, a a little girl like a little sister with any kind of problem in any way so I literally did not say it ever in high school Until really wait so you went through a whole of your high school w w w and you had no learning support throughout it yeah let really me, let me correct myself though i i never said it until i couldn't anymore because i had an ocular migraine at school which basically means that i went blind temporarily so of course i needed support so i asked for for it and that's when i had to tell my professors that i i was just pushing too hard and because of my disability ocular migraine could have been triggered way more easily than with any other person mm -hmm. and that was I think in my fourth year of high school out of five mm -hmm. but still I didn't go into detail at all and I still did not receive any kind of support from the school is for it, my studies is it because there was just nothing out there like there was no system of supporting people with learning disability uh, in, in it Italian through edu ed Italian education system what was well, the issue in your opinion unfortunately I don't even know whether there was at the time because I, I just didn't want to even ask for it mm -hmm. because I was ashamed. Mm -hmm. But also, I remember that there was no source of conversation around it at all. Right. I went to a public school, mm -hmm. but it was a very good one. Probably the best one in um, humanistic studies, the one that I was doing. So maybe something could have been done about it, but... I'm pretty sure that the funds were limited, so the kind of, a s of technology that maybe I would have needed was not available. Mm -hmm. Also, there was a policy, no screens in school. Right. So, you know, it's, it's a bit complicated. And also, I remember my final exam, so the senior year, I had to do, um, basically, I had to write an essay in Italian. And I had six hours for it because I had to go through a lot of documents to then come up with an actual essay right and i remember that the only thing that i asked for was to have the documents in accessible format meaning enlarged and double spaced and if possible in bold and i remember saying that to my biology prof professor just because i know that she was going to be on the committee and i arrived on the day as anybody else and i received exactly the same copies as anybody else so i asked the the senior committee for those to be changed and they literally told me there's no more time we need to start because it's a centralized exam that everybody yeah. does at the same time and my biology professor got so mad that she literally took the papers went to the closest stationery and just printed them out in a different format for me wow yeah so knowing what you know now about how what what can you do to actually support people who um, who have a learning disability? What what would you what would you do for yourself back in the day 
with all the kind of knowledge you have now? Well, first of all, I would make sure that my 15-year-old self is confident enough to speak about it within her family first. Mm-hmm. So that was an issue with me. I didn't talk about my disability or how I felt about it or how negatively it was impacting me in any way which meant in turn that I didn't want to talk about it with any other person that wasn't considered as my close friend. Right. So, first of all, I would say that family plays the biggest role. Mm-hmm. And once you're comfortable enough in your house, I guess it's natural for you to be seeking help outside of it and understanding that seeking help is even more courageous than shying away from it and then I would probably make sure to discuss the topic of inclusion and adjustments with the school Mm -hmm. because it's not a case-to-case basis it has to be a sort of policy in place and there needs to be conversation about it because there shouldn't be any stigma associated with it whatsoever right? right so it should be basic i would say now to include it in every sort of at least initial conversation when someone joins the school so that they know that the support is there whether they need it or not or whether they would want to use it that's a different story Mm -hmm. and that is case by case dependent but the fact that support is there should be first of all in place and second of all advertised right and what i gather from your story so far is actually is I, I see a lot of res- resilience and, you know, it's actually a very positive story, all things considered. How did you find, you know, energy and courage and whatever it was that actually got you through this and that you're actually in like such a good place you are right now uh, as a person and, you, you know, you're like basically speaking up for other people, essentially, is what you're doing raising awareness to this issue can you can you tell us a little bit more about this side of your journey so to say yeah i think it can be easily divided into two moments one is everything that goes till my fourth year of high school Mm -hmm. and then everything that comes after it and that's because before going into my final year i what motivated me is the fact that I managed to literally achieve everything that I put my mind to it by just doing things differently and Mm -hmm. by creating new ways to solve problems that includes recording myself with what I was learning rather than keep reading the same book that I couldn't read right or um, going on the internet and listen to so many videos about philosophers and and historical moments in explaining men in different ways so that my oral examinations would go well and i would mm-hmm. actually excel because i would go go i would go above and beyond what they was they were expecting from me and that's why i was first in the class anyways even though nobody knew that i had a disability or at least what kind of disability. That is so crazy. Oh my God, you were but top of your class and nobody even knew you have a disability. Yeah. Well, oh by the time God. that I graduated, they did know. Yeah. But I have been forced on my class for a while and that they didn't know so about insane. it. That is so insane. 
and that's because I I was working behind the scenes mm-hmm. to achieve the same results mm-hmm. because I was not able to just settle and and give up um, also because I I really was angry at the mm-hmm. fact that I had the capabilities to do it that you know I have the brains right. and I have the the willingness it's just my body that is not physically as up to standard as my brain maybe mm-hmm. and that's that's so annoying trust me when you realize that you're you cannot control that you, you get angry so mm-hmm. the only thing that I could have done at the time was to find different ways and to mm-hmm. to push harder right so that's what I did when I was when I was in high school until I actually had those ocular migraine events because that made me realize that I needed to take care of myself yeah and that my health came first mm-hmm. and also because those episodes were scary as hell of course at some point you just can't see anymore and it happens too regularly for you not to be careful so i was trying to to just think clearly about okay what is it that i need to do for school to be able to pass school but also keep my reputation as a good student Mm -hmm. but also okay what is it that i can do in the future after high school that can a give me an education but b also makes me a better person so that's why i when I finished high school um, and I graduated all good, top of my class, I had the grades to enter into uni in London. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, but once I moved to London, I need to be in an, at a university that actually, actually welcomes people with disabilities and has to, be a, a system in, has to have a system in place. That's why I joined QMUL. And right. thanks to that, I learned so much. And once I learned how giving support works i started giving support by myself Mm -hmm. so offline and that's how i mentored so many people with disabilities um mostly international students because i personally do not know a lot of italian students who have a disability but i have started talking about it with my family a lot so that the conversation is not as stigmatized so that every now and then I get to know some kind of friend who has a child that has a disability and doesn't know how to behave at school and I can support them in that way. Yeah. So indirectly also through my family, but mostly I've done it through university and it's been great because I can do this without any sort of limits whatsoever. Anyone has a question to ask that makes your day because you know that you can help them in in some way but also you'd be surprised by how many people actually do have a a disability whether that's visible or invisible Mm -hmm. so it it really does make a difference to to their lives yeah one thing that i'm well there's a lot of questions follow-up questions that i I really want to ask let's take them one by one first thing what is it that you about your mindset you think um that because i think it's a very unique thing what is it in your mindset that you think other people could you know learn from you um i see definitely a lot of empathy and a lot Mm -hmm. of um 
willing to you know share your good ideas uh, help other people but also as i mentioned before there's a lot of resilience but i'm sure you have thought about it yourself what is it that kind of you know keeps you going i'm sure it's also ambition but um when you were saying that you came up with all those creative ideas how to you know learn and absorb material that was there um that's a very unique mindset um and it's something i would kind of like want to pull out a little bit more yeah it is a very good question actually and i think what makes you understand how to go forward regardless of what your condition is and what your situation is like is a lot of Mm self-reflection because i remember when i was in high school and trying to come up with those different solutions course every module was different so I needed to come up with very different study methods and all of that that meant that I needed to know what is it that I was struggling with in the first place and what is it that I wanted to share with others what is it that I thought I couldn't do by myself so I needed to ask help someone so there's a lot of self-reflection in there Mm -hmm. and everybody I know from high school now tells me that I'm super strong which I take as a compliment, but I remember not liking it back then because it's not that I'm strong, it's that I did not have any other option mm-hmm. but to be strong in a way. Mm-hmm. So it was more about understanding what I was struggling with to make sure that that wouldn't trigger any bad vibe or, or bad feeling, but instead motivate me to find something that could fight it. But at the same time that I could do it by myself because I acknowledged when I was in high school that I was going to live a whole life with this disability, right? So it's high school now, but it's a job in in 10 years. It's a family in in a bit longer maybe, but it is a whole life that you need to live with this condition. So you have to, first of all, be okay with your own self. And that's how you become resilient because you Mm -hmm. accept the situation and you take the most out of it because you start understanding that you can see the condition in a different way because of of course i do have a disability but i have so many skills as a consequence of it so if i know that i have to be careful with my studies and not pushing too much i know that i can manage my time perfectly to avoid that and to prevent it right but I also know that I can communicate what I have and what I need well to others. So it's it's already some kind of skills that you develop. And most importantly, the personal one, which is empathy. I do have a lot of empathy for people because I know that everyone has a story. Yeah. You just don't see it or you don't ask for it because sometimes you, you're too busy taking care of your own mess. But a lot of people do have a story to tell. So you just got to listen and be there for them if they need you to. Otherwise, you just act like you don't know anything about them so that you can just be kind to them because they're going to appreciate your kindness anyways. That made me think about two points that I wanted to make. First one was why do you actually feel that in the society it's not the default that the society is inclusive of, pe- of 
you know, not only people with disabilities, but also people that look differently to you, that, you know, maybe speak differently to you, and maybe have a different accent to you, that are just different. Why is it that we, as people, evolved or developed in a way that, like, actually, things that are different to us, we tend to actually, like, stay away from rather than embrace them? Why do you think it's... Because it's, it's, it's yeah. in us, right? It is... It is in us and it must be because of the people that we have near to us. Otherwise, I don't understand it either. I just have to give myself this explanation because it would be so much easier to be kind to others and to embrace whoever is it that comes your way. Yeah. Um, but if we don't, or generally speaking, if we're generalizing now and say that it's not as welcoming as we would like the society to be. Mm-hmm. It's because of the tradition that has been carried out before us. So I can see it in Italy, mm-hmm. but I'm starting to see it differently since I've moved to London. Because in Italy, I can see it from my grandparents who would not necessarily welcome maybe a um, not even a person who hasn't gone to university or at least they wouldn't look at it in the same way or they they would always wish for that person not to be marrying mm-hmm. one of their grandchildren you see yeah. what i mean so it's yeah. that kind of vibe mm-hmm. whereas in london i've seen the complete opposite i've seen people who literally move here just to be free just yeah. to to expose themselves um, as they want them to be and it's also better in the workplace um, in Italy they're very traditional and you can feel that that's a, very much a big part of of someone's life to be working and to be successful in work and, and all of that but you also know that you need to be educated to get to that particular level or, or seniority mm-hmm. whereas here you you might even get to higher positions without even have a degree yeah for example so it really depends on where you are but overall i think the reason why we're not as accepting is because we are scared to think differently mm-hmm. than the rest and because we are scared in general about the unknown we don't know how to behave maybe around around people who seem different than us when in fact you just need 30 more minutes to get to know the person you'll see yeah. they have so much in common yeah actually that made me think of um, celebrating some of the really cool stories of people with um, learning disabilities or whatever other disabilities I actually remember you telling me this a couple of years ago um, good day you see remember yeah yeah I remember when you told me that you're friends with this guy who I don't think he was fully blind but he couldn't see very well he was also studying at our university and you told me that like he really like appreciates when people like don't approach him from like the back and don't tap pat him on the back so like because it startles him because he yeah. kind of like doesn't do you, do you remember that that story i remember him definitely yeah. and i remember him because he's the first person who reached out to me by email mm-hmm. because there was a group of visually impaired students at QMUL, and he was the one reaching out saying if you need any help Mm-hmm. Even though I'm not studying the same thing that you're studying, I can surely help you with mm-hmm. uh, with other with other things. 
So I said, sure, why don't we meet? Mm -hmm. So we did meet and he was fully blind. Oh, he was fully blind, yes. okay. And uh, I, I remember that he, he came um, by himself to the library where we were supposed to meet. And I saw a person approaching him, tapping mm -hmm. him on the back. Mm -hmm. And he was comfortable with it. And I'm assuming because he recognized the voice immediately. Mm -hmm. So he was familiar with. But then something different happened because another person approached him that he did not know. But mm -hmm. in the same way in terms of tapping in the mm -hmm. back. And he got very nervous. Mm -hmm. And that's because I realized that you have to develop a sort of relationship and trust with the person first to then be okay with um, touching or anything really. So the fact that that he had such reaction made me realize that you need to be careful because even though you're doing it for good reasons, of course, you, you can very much upset them, right? So mm -hmm. there needs to be an open conversation about how to even approach that person. But what really stood out to me that day was the fact that he was able to do every little thing by himself. Mm -hmm. And even the laptop that he was using, he was using a, he was using a MacBook and he was using VoiceOver mm -hmm. as an application that basically reads everything for you. And it went so quickly because he was so used to using it that you couldn't even understand a single word that he was saying. Oh, really? But he was so used to it that it was so quick. Oh, wow. It was amazing. Same with his lap, with his um, phone. Mm -hmm. He would call people or answer my text messages on the spot by just using the voiceover. And he didn't even need the full seconds that you would need to actually hear the whole thing because he would understand where this was going. Okay. And he was able to anticipate everything and be very quick. He would show me on the spot how to use voiceover and all of that completely by himself. And he also is a musician. So yeah. he he literally has so many qualities. Makes to... me think of Stevie Wonder. <laughs> <laughs> literally. He actually once told me that he went to Arabia's Got Talent. Oh, yes, I remember he told me that story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's so true. <laughs> Imagine, he's, yeah, he's such a what, what What instrument was he playing? Or was he singing? What was he doing? The, um... Flute? Not the flute. Saxophone? Hold on. I can say it in Italian, but I'm not, not sure how to say that in English. Tromba. Okay, a trumpet. A trumpet, okay. okay. Nice. Yeah, did he win? No, he didn't. <laughs> but he did pass, so he became quite famous. Really? I remember once he had to travel back just because he had a tour. Oh, wow. Yeah, Wait, what, cool. o what other um, adaptations did he have um, to kind of get, get, get along? Because you said that he was a get by, I should say. Because you said that he got to the library completely on his own. Yeah. So, like... Well, I'm not sure whether that's because he was already super familiar with mm -hmm. the environment. He was a year above me. So mm -hmm. maybe that's, that's the reason why he probably did have someone accompanying him during the first year. But the very great thing about the universities that they have the disability and dyslexia service that truly is very efficient. Mm -hmm. So you can ask for anything that you think should or would support your studies. Yeah. And I remember that he would have note takers for classes. He would have access to the assistive technology room where he would have access to very nice screens with voiceover installed where he would 
do all his research, all of that, um, so that he didn't have to bring his own laptop every time. Mm-hmm. Or um, he, I remember he has a lot of adjustments when it comes to exams. Mm-hmm. Actually, he could also do some exams orally mm-hmm. because, of course, he would rather do that than taking um, written exams and having to dictate everything. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Yeah. Like I would not. He had I w- to do it. Though, yeah, sometimes. but haven't you had to do one of your exams where you were just um, uh, dictating to someone the I wasn't, content of your essay? I wasn't technically dictating to a laptop. I was just someone, sharing right? my answers with my scribe. Yes. Because it was during my probably my second exam ever, and it was a multiple choice exam. And I asked for the multiple choice exam sheet to be adjusted. Mm. And the university said, well, that's outside of our control. So basically, it has to be this way. Mm-hmm. And given that I wasn't comfortable doing this by myself, or at least I was afraid that I would just mess up the lines for, for my own visual impairment, I asked for a scribe to be there, who, by the way, eventually also acted as a reader because they did not provide me with the accessible version of the yeah. statute book. But this guy had to literally tick boxes for me because they couldn't adjust the paper Mm. and he had to do that for about an hour yeah yeah what because you you've mentioned this earlier on and i want to go back to it because it's when you told me this story i was again i was just my, my my mind was blown away be, and you you only just you basically just mentioned it right now and like you didn't even provide much detail and it's such a crazy story like periodically you lose you lose your sight every now and then and it happens randomly right yeah you, what, what what was the 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 medical term for it the technically it's called amaurosis fugax in okay. latin okay but i call it ocular migraine yeah okay so you you can't see anything and you can kind of see it coming a, a little bit before it happens but it happens quite quickly right what were your like coping mechanisms because you moved to a completely different country you didn't know anyone you didn't have like ne- probably nearly as good of a support system around you and you like had also this to deal with and i remember you've mentioned the story where you were kind of like out and about with some friends and then like yeah. y- everything just went dark and you were like in the middle of london and anyone who knows how london looks like it's a it's a fucking hectic place to like get by if you have like i confirm everything going well for you and like you know people are still clueless (laughs) yes i actually laugh about it now but it's happened and it has happened in many weird places really yes the weirdest for me is when I was watching a water polo match. Yeah. It was so sad. <laughs> so I was actually oh, yeah. enjoying the game. <laughs> but anyways, I I had a, a period in my life where I was actually scared. And that was, of course, at the beginning. Um, yeah. The very first time in my philosophy class, I actually thought I had lost my vision. Mm-hmm. Thank God it, it came back. But the thing is that the scary part is that it happened every single month. And I couldn't control it because I couldn't anticipate it. And every time it happened, it lasted for a different period of time. What was the longest? 
12 hours. Yeah. Oh my god, that's so insane. Was the yeah, and the shortest would be like 30 minutes. Yeah, it's it's a lot, especially when you're completely clueless of what is it that's caused it. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to a lot of doctors to try and figure it out. And I would do a lot of exams to at least try and understand what was going on. And every exam was negative. So I would exclude mm-hmm. that it was a, a vascular problem or anything else. So the very last resource was the fact that it was a neurological issue so that's when i started going to the neurologist and that's when i started doing some sorts of therapies and i would you know would would do a six months um pill therapy six months off pill therapy and that's when it started to go better mm-hmm. but then it, i remember a moment when i was in in london already that i was off pills and mm-hmm. it happened that was probably the scariest because okay. I was like, okay, what do I do now? Do you, you know? want to talk about that? Yeah, why not? I remember that I was in, um, in was with friends that I've, I've known for a while now. Um, you weren't there actually that time. Yeah, no, I, I, I wasn't. I, found, <laughs> I, I learned about this story, like, I don't know, maybe like a year later or so. Because yeah. I don't think we were friends at the time when it happened. And when you told me this story, I was like, oh my God, this is so fucking crazy i remember that i went out to um, to a a sort of party it was supposed to be a party but then not a lot of people show up so it was typical uh, dorm (laughs) uh, you know dorm party when you live on campus like the the lamest parties ever (laughs) i think i went to two of them and i was like oh my god never i i can't i just can't take this cringe (laughs) it's too much it was it was nice because of course the people that they were close to me already knew about this this condition that I had, except for one. But that person is absolutely okay, and you know didn't really get scared. Mm-hmm. The the issues when other people don't know about it and start acting out. That's what makes me nervous. Yep. But the, when it, that happened, I was glad to be around others because I was in a very um, dark area and so most importantly an area that I wasn't familiar with yeah which is not usual for me yeah. anytime that I enter into a new environment within 30 seconds I already understand what's around me mm-hmm. so that in case it happens I can easily move around and everything like that but it, we were out because we were on campus but in an area that I I would not normally go to so I literally did not could not have done it without them and I remember that I was particularly sad not because I didn't know what to do because of course I I've had plenty of them at that point but it's just that I really started thinking okay I do not know what else to do yeah because I've tried everything that the doctors have told me and the doctors are literally the the only people I can never trust on this because I know nothing about it. So that's where it started to feel a bit difficult to handle. But the thing is that I realized that in that moment I could have anticipated it because I had a very strong headache. 
So what I did from then is that I started monitoring my headache because mm-hmm. that was the only thing that I that I knew that at least I could control. So that's when I started telling my neurologist that I should have monitored my headache and cure my headache because turns out I was uh, I was told that I had chronic migraines and I like to believe that there is a connection between the two even though it's not proved but I really think that's um, a possibility so what I've done since then is curing my migraine at least my chronic migraine so that I reduce the possibility for it to happen and it's been a while now that it hasn't happened Mm -hmm. because I had um, I also took some pills that actually those with epilepsy take mm-hmm. so that you reduce the possibility for the the optic nerve to be mm-hmm. hit in any drastic way so i i did that and it's been like eight months since i had my last episode my last episode wasn't fun either actually i was doing a commercial awareness competition virtually mm. so i i did not know anyone and yeah. it happened but i still did my presentation wait let's let's go back to the to the one where you were out uh, I, I just kind of wanna experience how it how it must well, be like so like where were you when you were like oh shit something is going like really wrong what, what was your like environment interestingly that's not the one that i remember the most about uh-huh. because i just remember my reaction to it more mm-hmm. than how it happened okay. or when it happened um, but from what I can remember is that I was just leaving the dorm and that I had the other close to me, mm-hmm. so a very good friend of mine. And I remember that they were looking for milk because some of us, some of, someone in our group was very drunk. Mm-hmm. So they were looking for milk. And I remember that on our way to the supermarket, from campus yeah. so it's very close yeah um i i lost my vision and i said to diala that i had an episode that's how we we call it an episode so was she aware of this yes. condition of yours okay okay fine yes so that's when everybody else then stood beside me and and you know welcomed me back sorry brought me back home mm-hmm. but it wasn't it wasn't intense in terms of oh no this happened to julia Mm -hmm. no some other episode was more like that than this one but it just was important to me because it was in a moment that i truly did not need it or expect it Mm -hmm. so that's why i remember it particularly the others might think of it otherwise especially because they some of them experienced it for the first time but for example diala was not surprised she just went straight to helping mode. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, because the first time that I had it in London ever was with her, and it was also the first time that we actually hanged out together. No, really. <laughs> yeah, because we just met. We went to our first contract law class. I was mm-hmm. in the middle of the class because I'm yes that kind of girl mm-hmm. who really wants to see everything clearly. Yeah. And I remember that it happened during that class. Really. And I had Diala close to me who did not know me very well who did not know what to do. Mm-hmm. And I, re- I remember that I remained silent until the very end. And when everybody left, 
I'm sure you were there. That's you such, must have been exactly, there. Exactly. That's such a trip. Yeah, you oh must have God. been in my class. Definitely. <laughs> I remember that when everyone stood up and I could hear the the noise. Yeah. I then said, Diala, this is what's going on. Don't freak out because I'm not going to. But please take the medicine in my in my bag with the water I always had had to carry it out mm -hmm. just in case so she poured the medicine in the water and she gave it to me because that would allegedly accelerate the, the process of gaining my sight back but that's nothing that I there's something that I've never proved so yeah I don't know so whether that really actually worked work. I'm okay. not sure if that actually worked but we were on campus and I used to live on campus right so she then helped me to go back to my dorm. It was the very first time that we actually had to hang out together. So imagine how scared she was. And I remember that we were listening to music, especially to Mika, because mm -hmm. I like Mika a lot. And I remember that she was just there trying to talk about things, you know, to yeah. kind of distract me as well. And, and until I gained my sight back. So at that point she left because she was a, you know, she was feeling better because she didn't want to leave knowing that I was still in that condition. And honestly, years after, I would say even two years after, mm -hmm. she told me that that was the moment that she really got a sort of connection with me. That's why we are so close mm -hmm. and we even managed to go and live together. Yeah. But also more generally, it's the moment that she realized that she could do anything because at that time she was doubting whether she wanted to continue university at all and when she saw me pursuing my university goal mm -hmm. on top of having this condition having to deal with so many personal hurdles she said okay if she can do it then mm -hmm. i can do it too i don't need to complain about my life which is you know perfect and i have everything i need yeah and that was such a beautiful moment when she told me. Mm, yeah, that is that is a that is a really nice nice thing to hear indeed. What's um I had this really interesting thought that um oh yes. What's um for average for average Joes like me, what can we do to actually I don't want to help assist like just like how should we you know be more inclusive like everyday people what's your opinion on that my opinion on that is that there is no one way mm -hmm. to be inclusive because every person has first of all a different condition but also experiences the same condition differently i am a visually impaired person but that doesn't mean that i know how every visually impaired impaired people lives like it, every condition is completely subjective mm -hmm. which means that if you want to help someone you need to understand their specific condition okay but also the specific way in which they're living with their condition and if you're close enough to them it's just a matter of asking questions and seeing if they're comfortable answering them mm -hmm. If they're not, that means that it's not really about you. It's just their, their kind of way of going about it. In that case, you just need to make sure that you're there in case they want to ask for help. Mm 
mm-hmm. and you just say that and that really makes a difference that in case they need any kind of support they can think of you as a person to go and ask if they are willing to answer some questions um, for example I'm one of those people show that you're interested in knowing more about them and how they feel and how they deal with with their disability because in that case they can first of all they will feel better by just talking about it and knowing that there's someone who's in who's willing to listen Mm -hmm. but also more generally you can create that connection that builds a very strong trust so they will come back to you if they need help because they know that they can trust you and they can they can see in you the person that understands them Whereas I feel that if you don't show that source of understanding, they might think, no, I'm not going to ask him because that's too much to ask. Or mm-hmm. he might be busy. He, he, it might be too much to explain. Whereas if you're already in, in the position to show that you not only understand, but you're willing to help, it mm-hmm. would be so much easier for, for both of you. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a really good point. And because we all already clocked 45 minutes so we're gonna we're gonna oh. be wrapping that that one up you can quite, cut quite so sh- much of what i've said i'm sure um but one thing that i find really interesting and maybe that's that could be our last uh stop in this episode is what were some of the interesting and inspiring things that you learned from other people with uh, learning disabilities or any disabilities whatsoever actually because uh, even in our conversation, it was quite obvious to me that um, you and also ob- observing my sister, it's very obvious that you develop skills and different ways of dealing with the issues you have to deal with or whatever the problems might be. Um, and I, that's incredibly interesting to me. Um, and a lot of times it's also really inspiring I think like the last 45 minutes is basically a proof of that Um, so yeah um. it's a really hard question to answer because I've met so many people with many kinds of disabilities both visible and invisible Mm -hmm. so it's hard to give you one answer in terms of what I've learned but I think that I can give you an idea by giving you an example. Mm-hmm. So when I was in my second year, I I knew that I wanted to pursue a career in law. So I just said, okay, I'm the only person I know who with a disability. So it's best not to talk about it mm-hmm. with anyone, interviewers or in my applications, nothing. Then, the more I talked to people, the more I understood that they had a condition too. I started attending events and meeting people because I'm a very social person. So I would then understand more about them, get to know more about them and find out that they would have a a condition too. Until I met the president or CEO maybe of this consultancy firm whose job is to make our lives easier Mm -hmm. to find a job, I really thought that I didn't have to disclose anything or share anything about my disability. 
so the moment I met this person, she's on a wheelchair, she actually told me that the way you see yourself is one thing. The way you want others to see yourself is another. Mm-hmm. So you have to be okay with both to be happy with your life. And I think that's the biggest lesson that I've got because I was comfortable with my own skin and with myself, but I wasn't comfortable with the way the others would see me. So the moment I started being open, confident, positive about my disability, mm-hmm. I really benefited from it. And I I just became a better person because I, I let others see myself the way I see myself. Mm-hmm. And given that I met so many other people who wanted to pursue my same goal, who had another kind of disability, I tried my very best to share that with them as well. And so I guess that that lesson then was put forward and and shared with many other people. And I'm still doing it because I really think that's the most important thing ever. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful and powerful message to actually close the the, the episode with. And it is a very inspiring and and a beautiful story. I think anyone who's kind of just you know dealing with 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 the with the things they have to deal with is just it's it's an amazing thing. And I just thank you so much for sharing your story and just you know educating me and everyone who will listen to it. Uh, I think it was a it was just a it was just an interesting and and inspiring to to find out all about that and it's a very long outro so <laughs> it just without a further ado thank you very much for being here and um best of luck for the future and thanks for everyone who will tune in to listen to it thank you thank you very much for having me no thank you